is the Come Read With Me Podcast. Welcome to Come Read With Me, the Book of Mormon. This is episode number eight. Welcome back. Today, we are diving right into 1 Nephi chapters 9 and 10, hitting both of them today because chapter 9 is a little bit shorter. So we'll be hitting both. Let's dive right in with a recap of where we are so far. Dave, you want to give us the recap? Absolutely. We've been reading about Lehi and his family and some of their endeavors of leaving Jerusalem, going into the wilderness. They went back and retrieved the brass plates from Laban, which were historic records, including some of the first books of the Bible, as we know it, the Old Testament. Went back out to the wilderness, returned once again to Jerusalem to obtain a second family, Ishmael's family. Um, so that they could have posterity out in the wilderness. And the chapter we just finished up with was chapter 8, where Lehi had a vision. So that's kind of where we're picking up here. All right, thanks, Dave. Then we will dive right in, starting at 1 Nephi chapter 9, verse 1. In all these things did my father see and hear and speak, as he dwelt in a tent in the valley of Lemuel, and also a great many more things which cannot be written upon these plates. And now I have spoken concerning these plates. Behold, they are not the plates upon which I make a full account of the history of my people. For the plates upon which I make a full account of my people, I have given the name of Nephi. Wherefore, they are called the plates of Nephi, after mine own name. And these plates also are called the plates of Nephi. Nevertheless, I have received a commandment of the Lord that I should make these plates for the special purpose that there should be an account engraven of the ministry of my people. Upon the other plates should be engraven an account of the reign of the kings and the wars and contentions of my people. Wherefore, these plates are for the more part of the ministry, and the other plates are for the more part of the reign of the kings and the wars and contentions of my people. Wherefore, the Lord hath commanded me to make these plates for a wise purpose in him, which purpose I know not. But the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning." Wherefore, he prepareth a way to accomplish all his works among the children of men. For behold, he hath all power unto the fulfilling of all his words, and thus it is. Amen. All right, so that's the end of chapter 9. Chapter 9 is short and sweet, only six verses in the whole thing. A couple of things that I think just he's covering off on here is another summary of the large and small plates. So they're both called Nephi. So the naming seems rather unimportant, but (laughs) the large plates of Nephi, the small plates of Nephi, he doesn't even call them that here, but that's what they end up being because the, the longer history of the reign of the kings and the contentions and the wars and all that other stuff ends up being much longer in duration and much longer in, in timeline than the small plates. And the small plates end up being a relatively condensed and relatively short lived, um, just really power-packed ministry and and sort of the the spirituality of the people. Um, so I think he's just sort of covering off on that here as he's preparing to now transition from where his father was giving an account, or he was giving an account of his father's ministry, and now transitioning into his own ministry. Um, so I think this is a little bit of a transition chapter here uh, as he's writing what's going to happen next. Totally. And your point, he Nephi's making two sets of records the large plates of Nephi, like you mentioned, that that would be what we cons- would consider a typical history book that you would find at school, right? right. It has the history of the world, the, the rulers, the kings, the laws, the whatever. 
Um, and then the second plates that he, the second set of records that he makes are the small plates of Nephi. Those would be the more spiritual things that you wouldn't necessarily find in a school history book, but you would find in a scriptural history like the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and other scripture. And and you're you're spot on. It's a transitional chapter from recapping his father's writings, and now these are kind of starting now Nephi's own writings. Absolutely. Okay, then we'll keep going right into chapter ten. Verse 1. And now I, Nephi, proceed to give an account upon these plates of my proceedings and my reign and ministry. Wherefore, to proceed with mine account, I must speak somewhat of the things of my father and also of my brethren. For behold, it came to pass after my father had made an end of speaking the words of his dream and also of exhorting them to all diligence, he spake unto them concerning the Jews, that after they should be destroyed, even that great city Jerusalem, and many be carried away captive into Babylon, according to the own due time of the Lord. They should return again, yea, even be brought back out of captivity. And after they should be brought back out of captivity, they should possess again the land of their inheritance. Yea, even six hundred years from the time that my father left Jerusalem, a prophet would the Lord God raise up among the Jews, even a Messiah, or in other words, a savior of the world." Hey, I just want to point that out. That's a pretty key verse, verse four. Absolutely. It's got a few important things in there. 600 years from the time that Lehi and his family left Jerusalem, the Lord comes. Jesus Christ is here on the earth. Yes. And I think that that's uh, pretty important to mark. That captures a lot of the timeline of the Book of Mormon, certainly starting when Lehi and his family leave Jerusalem. And then the Book of Mormon concludes a few hundred years after Christ's reign. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just glad that this is prophesied so early. And I think that's great that the understanding which Lehi and Nephi have of the coming of the Messiah um, is demonstrated so early here. The Old Testament is dripping with so many analogies and, and prophecies that are foretelling the coming of Jesus Christ, most of which was lost on the people that we're hearing it. And then of course was lost in translation, even as people read it now, a lot of times people miss how often it is pointing directly to Jesus Christ as what's coming. But it's great to see that that Lehi and Nephi had that, that testimony so early on. Okay, back in at verse five. And he also spake concerning the prophets, how great a number had testified of these things concerning this Messiah, of whom he had spoken or this redeemer of the world. Wherefore, all mankind were in a lost and in a fallen state, and ever would be, save they should rely on this Redeemer. And he spake also concerning a prophet, who should come before the Messiah to prepare the way of the Lord. Yea, even he should go forth and cry in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight. For there standeth one among you, whom ye know not, and he is mightier than I, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. And much spake my father concerning this thing. All right, let's just jump in real quick. The Messiah, of course, is Jesus Christ. And in verses seven and eight, it talks about a prophet who should come before the Messiah to prepare the way of the Lord. That's John the Baptist. Absolutely. And one thing that I think was lost on me early in my scripture study um, was thinking, well, Jesus and John the Baptist were roughly the same age. Um, they were both conceived at around the same time, because uh, we hear the story, of course, in the in the Bible about how John the Baptist leapt 
in the womb as he was near Jesus, who is also still in the womb. Um, so we know that they're about the same age. And so it always con- confused me how he came before Jesus to prepare the way. And I was like, well, he, they came at the same time. Of course, what's what's illustrated here is important where he says, there's one among you um, whom ye know not, whose shoes latch it, I'm not worthy to unloose. So Jesus, of course, was in his 30s as he's performing his ministry. And for mo- most of his life, was not a a publicly known figure and did not perform miracles in public, did not reveal himself as the Messiah. So really he was there to prepare the way of the Lord while the Lord was preparing his ministry. All right, then we'll go back in at verse nine. And my father said he should baptize in Bethabara beyond Jordan. And he also said he should baptize with water, even that he should baptize the Messiah with water. And after he had baptized the Messiah with water, he should behold and bear record that he had baptized the Lamb of God, who should take away the sins of the world. And it came to pass, after my father had spoken these words, he spake unto my brethren concerning the gospel, which should be preached among the Jews, and also concerning the dwindling of the Jews in unbelief. And after they had slain the Messiah, who should come, and after he had been slain, he should rise from the dead and should make himself manifest by the Holy Ghost unto the Gentiles. Yea, even my father spake much concerning the Gentiles, and also concerning the house of Israel, that they should be compared like unto an olive tree, whose branches should be broken off and should be scattered upon all the face of the earth. Wherefore he said, It must needs be that we should be led with one accord into the land of promise, unto the fulfilling of the word of the Lord, that we should be scattered upon all the face of the earth. And after the house of Israel should be scattered, they should be gathered together again, or in fine, after the Gentiles had received the fullness of the gospel, the natural branches of the olive tree, or the remnants of the house of Israel should be grafted in, or come to the knowledge of the true Messiah, their Lord and their Redeemer. And after this manner of language did my father prophesy and speak unto my brethren, and also many more things which I do not write in this book, for I have written as many of them as were expedient for me in mine other book. All right, I want to hit a couple of things here because yeah. there's more to what was just written there than might seem on the surface. It's talking olive trees and branches and scattering and other things that are going on here. So it briefly mentions that there that Jesus will be born among the Jews and that he'll be slain by the Jews, right? So that's just sort of... <laughs> breezed over, but an important point there, of course. Uh, It also mentions that the house of Israel should be scattered, and that's actually one of the reasons why they're going to the promised land. He's, He's talking right here about how the branches of the olive tree of the house of Israel should be scattered all over the world, and that they're one of those branches and will be scattered to the promised land. So that's one of the reasons why this is taking place at all. And then, of course, it says that the Lord will manifest himself through the Spirit to the Gentiles, and that at some point the house of Israel will be grafted in or come to the knowledge of the true Messiah, their Lord and their Redeemer. So what's being prophesied here is very important because this is something that hasn't actually happened yet. But this is something that we know is going to happen as it's being prophesied, is that the Gentiles now, of course, carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. Largely, the Jews, or what remains of the house of Judah or the, the remnants of the Jews, don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And what we know here is being prophesied is that eventually they will come to know the true Messiah and that they will eventually join the Gentiles in their faith of Jesus Christ. So I think that's kind of important to point out what actually was said there. Eric, if I can just jump in here real quick, um, the word Gentile, I'm not sure if we've defined that before, 
But one thing that will help us understand that a little bit is a Gentile in this context was known as a people of, of non-Israelite or non-Jewish lineage, whereas the those of the house of Israel would be of the lineage of the Israelites. Excellent. Excellent point. I wasn't sure if we'd hit that or not. So yes, thank you for hitting that. Okay, right back in at verse 16. And all these things of which I have spoken were done as my father dwelt in a tent in the valley of Lemuel. And it came to pass after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. And the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God, unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto him. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost as well in these times as in times of old, and as well in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore the course of the Lord is one eternal round. Therefore remember, O man, for all thy doings thou shalt be brought into judgment. Wherefore, if ye have sought to do wickedly in the days of your probation, then ye are found unclean before the judgment seat of God, and no unclean thing can dwell with God. Wherefore ye must be cast off forever." And the Holy Ghost giveth authority that I should speak these things and deny them not. All right. So got kind of heavy at the end of this chapter, right? All of a sudden we're talking about doing wickedly and being cast off and unclean and all these other things. So one thing that I want to point out here is what, what Nephi is saying is as he is reflecting on the Messiah and Jesus Christ and him coming to be the redeemer of the world. Of course, what is part of that is the atonement. It's not clear how much the atonement is being understood by Nephi at this point. Of course, this is the 600 years before the Christ has come. And so there's a lot of learning yet to be had. But what he's, what he's understanding as he kind of thinks about this is that we are in a state of probation, he says. And that's something that we need to kind of define as well. State of probation. So we existed in the pre-mortal life. We existed before we came to earth as spirits living with our Heavenly Father. And then this time on earth was set aside as a probation for us to kind of come as a test to see if we can follow the, the truths that we're given. So then as we come down here, we're in the state of probation. And then what he's saying here is if we choose to do wickedly, then no unclean thing can dwell with God. Of course, we know how to become clean, and that's through the blood of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Through repentance, yep. Absolutely. So I think all of this is part of one thought process that Nephi is kind of going through here as he's scratching this out on his gold plates. He's thinking about Jesus Christ. He's thinking about what it means to be a redeemer of the world and a savior of the world and what it means to be a sinner. Of course, all of us, all of us are sinners. All of us are this unclean and wicked version that he's talking about here. And all of us would not be able to dwell with God save it was for Jesus Christ and being cleansed through him. Okay, so Dave, any highlights that you want to point out from the chapters? Yeah, one takeaway that I was thinking about was this is happening 600 years before Jesus Christ. I think in today's world, we might take for granted the knowledge that we have of Jesus Christ. Now, even if we're not fully 100% scholars of Christ, as a culture, we know who Jesus Christ is. We know the story of his birth. We know kind of what he did, what he taught. But how 
I mean, I don't know how enlightening would it have been? I would be in awe to hear all this stuff. Certainly, I think Nephi and his family had read through the brass plates that they obtained from Laban to get some of the context of Christ in the Old Testament. But the revelation that Nephi has had and is recounting here about Jesus Christ being born, John the Baptist, you know, being crucified by the by the Jews, all of that is pretty new to him. I think that would be an amazing experience to have that vision, that revelation, that knowledge. But I love what Nephi says in verse 17. He's talking about, I wanted to know and see and hear the things that my father did. And I can do that through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now let's liken that unto our day. If I want to know or see or hear something about Christ that someone has said, I can do that through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's the heavenly messenger that confirms the truth, that testifies of Christ and of, of God, the Father. So I just think that that's cool, that just like Nephi, if we want to see, hear, and know things, we do it the same way that he did, and that's through the power of the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. He says in verse 19, and this is kind of my takeaway from all of this, what he says in verse 19, for he that diligently seeketh shall find and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them. And I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably hearing the Book of Mormon for the first time and probably seeking out scriptures to understand what truths they can. And what I would invite all of us to understand is that if we continue to seek diligently, now diligently means continuously, with effort, earnestly. So that means diligently seeking, we shall find. The mysteries of God may seem difficult for all of us to understand. We might be asking God questions for years, wondering why we feel like the heavens are closed before us. But what we know here is that if we are diligent and we are truthful and earnest in our seeking, the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto us. And that is a promise here. He says, even in verse 18, he says, God is the the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means he is the same for you right now. I was just going to point that out, Eric. God is consistent. If we can count on one thing, it's God being God. And that's part of what allows us to have faith in him is that he doesn't change, you know? And so he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he let them know through the power of the Holy Ghost, he certainly can let us know through the power of the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. Another thing that I want to agree with what you said is that this is about 600 years before Christ came. And he might, Nephi, as he's writing here, might understand a few things about what's going to come. Things have been revealed that might be how things are going to be, but that's pretty limited knowledge. I would, if I were Nephi, I imagine that he feels a little bit in knowing what he knows as we feel about knowing that Jesus is going to come again in a second coming. We know it's going to happen. We know Christ will come. We know a few things about it. We don't know really when. We don't know really how. We don't know so many things about the mechanics and the actual history that will unfold before us as Christ comes again in a second coming. And I think Nephi is much the same here. He knows a few things. He knows that Christ is there. He knows that Christ is the Redeemer. He knows a few things about him coming and the prophet that will come before him. But that's that's a little bit of it at the moment, yeah. right? And yeah. so there's a lot of learning to be done because like you said, again, this is 600 years before he came. So all he has to go on are some of the revelations that his father's had, and now he seeks for himself as well. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time as we continue reading the Book of Mormon together. Quick disclaimer here, this podcast is not produced by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Everything expressed in this podcast is the opinion of the people making it, and it is not endorsed by the church or its leaders. Everything in this podcast is intended to promote faith in Jesus Christ by helping you understand the Book of Mormon. 
Please listen to this podcast with an open heart and pray for guidance from the Lord as we continue reading the Book of Mormon together. Thank you for listening.